Today is Tuesday, May 24th, and welcome to today's episode of Straight Out Left. We've got a lot to talk about today. We'll be talking about Adley Rushman and his finally making it to the big leagues. We'll be talking about the whole Josh Donaldson and Tim Anderson situation. Plus, I'm going to be looking at the DH production from every NHL team and how that's either helped or hindered their offense so far this year in place of having pitchers bat. Plus, I'll fool around fan graphs for a bit and talk about some home and away splits that I found interesting. So stick around. It's going to be a good one today. All right. Welcome once again. Got a lot to talk about today. I'm going to start off with uh, the positive of Adley Rushman's Major League debut. Um, Everyone knows all about him. I'm not going to go into it too much, but, you know, number one overall pick back in 2019, top prospect in the game. Um, made his debut on Saturday night with the Orioles against Tampa. He uh, hit a triple in the seventh inning. He also got a walk. He uh, In his past two games, he hasn't really done much. He just has the one single. Nothing of note behind the plate, just solid catching. He also played DH for uh, his most recent game against the Yankees. But it's exciting to see him up. I mean, it's only three games, but the thrills will come. This is just really interesting because this is the most the Orioles have been talked about in a positive way. This is the most buzz the Orioles have had around them definitely since uh, at least five years. I mean, 2017 was their last year where they were kind of relevant, but yeah. But yeah, like this is, um, it's really interesting to see how excited everyone is about Baltimore, what's going on over there. And he's just the start. I mean, Baltimore is five top 100 overall prospects and all five of those guys, uh, Rutschman's among the, he's the leading one, but, uh, Grayson Rodriguez, Gunnar Henderson, Colton Kowser, and DL Hall are all expected to get to the MLB either this year or next year. So in that five, in the next, uh, let's say calendar year from now, the Orioles are going to have a new catcher, hopefully a new shortstop and a new outfielder and a new left-handed and right-handed pitcher to uh, anchor their team. So this core is about to get here and we're going to finally start to see was all of this tanking worth it for the Orioles. And of course, I think, you know, baseball prospects are such a crapshoot. You really don't know who's going to pan out and who's not, but Things are looking good so far, and it'll just be interesting to see what happens. I can't imagine how much pressure is on Rutschman right now. And if you if you were on social media, you saw the video that the Orioles put out of his uh, manager down in AAA, called him into the, to the office and kind of broke the news to him in a creative way. Like, you know, you're come, it's uh, going to be awesome when you get up to Camden Yards and just dropped in the conversation. And Rutschman was like, wait, what? And then his teammates came in and mobbed him. It was really a – that was fun to watch. But he said, quotes like, you don't need to be a hero. You just need to keep being Adley. You need to just play like you always have played and just be yourself kind of thing. And he's really going to need to take that to heart because while it's normal to get excited about new players, I feel like that there's just so much on this guy because since the time he's been drafted, since the day he was drafted back in 2019, it's just been all about Richmond's going to be the face of the new Orioles. He's going to make it all worth it. And there's a lot riding on him. It's really, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of hype on him. Like the hype is similar to Jason Hayward or Shohei Otani. 
to name a couple or Wander Franco, like just, and so I'm most of those guys like Otani has produced on that. And Franco has produced on that. I mean, I remember when I was a kid and Hayward was, everyone was talking about Jason Hayward and he had a solid career, but wasn't quite what people were expecting or Harper or Trout. I mean, I could go on. And for the most part, players to varying degrees are able to live up to that. But just, man, there's so much on him, especially because of how he's coming up for a struggling Orioles team that has basically been – he's literally supposed to be their their savior. This isn't like a Harper – or kind of, it's kind of like a Harper where he was supposed to be the national savior and bring them from years of awfulness to a world title. And in a kind of roundabout way, he did. He brought them to relevance, then they won the title after he left. But yeah, I'm excited for Rushman. I just really hope for his sake that he can handle all of the uh, pressure that's being put on him because, man, I couldn't imagine being in his shoes. And then, man, I need to tread carefully in how I talk about this, but I want to talk about it because it involves two players that I have a lot of strong opinions about, uh, Donaldson and Anderson, the whole thing that went down there. Um, And to break it down briefly, Tim Anderson and Josh Donaldson have been beefing all year. Um. And is I mean, those two are two of the mo- biggest antagonists in the game. And I like both. I don't mind antagonists. Donaldson is one of my favorite players. And I do like, I do have a lot of respect for Tim Anderson and his abilities. Um, basically, Anderson got mad because he felt like Donaldson made, there was like a t- pickoff play at third and Donaldson tagged him really hard and also kind of blocked him off the base. So they ruled him safe because Donaldson interfered with him, but Anderson took it personally. And also, Donaldson has allegedly been, or I think it's been proven, he's said he's been calling Anderson Jackie, referencing Anderson's interview back in 2019 with Sports Illustrated, where he talked about how, uh, I have the article up here, let me get the exact quote. He said, I feel like today's Jackie Robinson that's huge to say, but it's cool, man, because he changed the game, and I feel like I'm getting to a point where I need to change the game, end quote. And Donaldson, as a joke, allegedly said that since that came out as a joke, he's called Anderson Jackie, and Anderson, for the mo- according to Donaldson, has been fine with that until now. So, man, I need to be careful how I talk about this because I really don't want people to take what I say the wrong way, but... A, I don't have a problem with Anderson calling himself Jackie. I mean, you can. We've had play. Um, great baseball players are compared to other great baseball players. Juan Soto is the next Ted Williams. He's got the. He's the today's Ted Williams because he gets on base at an insane rate. Or uh, Jacob Degrom is today's Dwight Gooden or Tom Seaver or other great Mets pitcher or whatever. So, I don't. It is a little. It is a little different because Anderson's giving the title to himself, but I. That's just how Anderson is. He likes to talk. He talks a big game. Um. So, just let him say that. Um. I feel like, I feel like Donaldson responded in a good way where he said, "I want to talk. If Tim wants to sit down and talk about, it, I'd be more than willing to." Donaldson has been suspended by the MLB for one game after their investigation into this, and he's going to appeal that. I think that I think that he said that very well though. He's willing to talk to Tim and say, "Hey, I and just make peace." Which is coming from Donaldson that that shows something. So, I'm not going to sit here and say 
make a declaration and I think that one person's right or wrong or that Donaldson's a racist or that Tim Anderson's a liar. So, yeah, that's just kind of my take on it. I'm not going to – I would prefer to let the two of them sell it rather than have this whole media circus about it. And I can't say whether or not I think Donaldson's suspension is fair. It's just it's any sort of race relations issue super touchy these days. So he needs to – and be acting with that in mind. But, yeah, I think I, I think the best outcome here is for the two of them to meet privately, talk about it, and – like men and do it. I will say though, I a lot of Tim Anderson's other comments. I really don't like particularly his, I spared him about how he wanted to fight Donaldson, but he didn't. I mean, like I said, Anderson likes to run in his mouth a lot. And while I do respect him a lot as a player, and I don't think that this gives him the right to be attacked at all for his, based on his race or anything like that. I do think he talks a lot of smack and I, think it just causes other people not to like him. And I think deserve he deserves most of the dislike that he gets. I mean, there's a difference in my opinion between flipping your bat and then taking your bat, f- picking up your bat, firing it at the dugout and screaming. And also he called, uh, I'm not going to repeat, repeat what he said, but he called um, Brad Keller with the whole 2019 Royals bat flip incident, some pretty nasty things including things that could technically, I guess, be interpreted as, you know, they weren't really applicable to Anderson's race, but still they were just pretty colorful, pretty colorful language with a little, a little bit of a racist theme, racial theme, not racist. So I'm just going to say right here, right now that I'm, again, I'm not condemning Tim Anderson for his Jackie Robinson comment or saying that He's wrong in this situation. However, I think that Tim Anderson is, and this is also me just being a Twins fan, the fact that I hate the White Sox, he's that face of the White Sox, but he talks a lot of smack. He's extremely cocky, and he should be expecting to get a lot of opponents on his bad side, or on the on the bad side of a lot of opponents. So when he, and don't go around saying, oh, I spared him. That's, to me, that's kind of soft, and that shows People who go around saying, oh, I would have fought him or if I was if I was there, let me tell you, I would have. It's like that family guy cutaway where the Italian guy says, if this was me in that situation, that things would have been it would have been bad news for that guy because, yeah, just the whole talking smack thing saying that you you would have you I was totally going to punch his lights out, but I did. I spared him. I decided to spare him. That's kind of that's kind of soft to me so i think the two of them should hash this out like men not in the media but just with each other privately and anderson needs to stop um stop running his mouth so much at opponents and donaldson needs to maybe just be more careful with his joking and his kind of poking he likes to poke fun at people and do his uh pranking antics not pranking just troll people and stuff so he probably needs to be careful because just with how things are today, he just things that he says, even though there may not be a, a a bad intent, will come across as that way. Anyway, on a lighter note, um, now that that's out of the way, um, was uh, going through fan graphs today and looking at some splits. Um, by the way, those uh, two videos I made about the American League and National League players, um, that one from each team that needs to do better, I think that some. Some people maybe are listening to this because uh, 
since uh, since all this ha- since I released those videos, Trevor's story, I released the um the American League video and talked about how Trevor's story needs to improve on Thursday. And since last Thursday, Trevor's story in five games is at five home runs. And Randy Rosarena, since I made that video and talked about him, is hitting uh, 6.15. So, yeah, some guys have been really stepping it up. And Votto hit a home run uh, the other night after I was talking about his slow start. So, And Yoshi Satsugo from the Pirates also hit a home run and had a game-winning RBI single the uh, last night. I was watching that live. So uh, kind of funny how that worked out. Um, but I was going through fan graphs, and I was taking a look at their um, – their playoff odd chart. Um, it's kind of interesting. So, you know, when you're looking this early at this point in the season, it's kind of starting to form like who's going to be where, but there are some teams that they're definitely a lot higher on than others. I was really surprised for one to see how low the Cardinals odds of making the playoffs are. Um, they have them only at a 49% chance, which as it stands right now, St. Louis is in a wild card spot. They're actually in the, uh, the fifth, of the six playoff positions. Uh, San Francisco is just a little bit below them. But I mean, you know, they're the Cardinals look like a really good team, but they're projecting them to kind of tailor off for the rest of the year. And their rest of season win percentage is only going to be 509. So they're going to be, according to fan graphs, they're going to be playing barely 500 baseball. But I don't know. They just look really good. They've got good pitching. Their offense is really good. I mean, Goldschmidt Arenado has been a very dangerous um, very dangerous combination and throw in some guys like Dylan Carlson and uh, Brendan Donovan's been a, a new acquisition for them and he's been doing really well. Also, they're not super high on the Rays. They're expecting the Rays to tailor off. Their playoff chances are only 58%. Um, with them playing about 500 ball the rest of the rest of the year, they're expecting the Red Sox to play better than them uh, until the end of the season. However, the Red Sox still do their slow start, do have a pretty a smaller percentage chance of only about 35. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. The analytical models really aren't that high on the uh, on the Rays. Um, they're expecting the Blue Jays to rebound after their slowish start. I mean, the Blue Jays are still a 500 team, even with everything that seems to have gone wrong for them so far this year. So they have an 82% shot to win the make the playoffs. Um, only a 19% chance to win the division. Um, according to them, the most wide open division is definitely the, or closest division, I should say, is the definitely the AL Central. They have the White Sox at a better chance than the Twins. It's 48 to 45, roughly, which I do agree with. I could definitely see the White Sox are definitely going to get better. They need based on just how much talents on that team, things have been going well for them so far, but they are going to do better. Um, and you can, def- I can definitely see the twins regressing a little bit and playing about 500 ball the rest of the year and giving up that division lead. It's definitely going to be tight, but, uh, and then Cleveland is still hanging on with a 6% chance to win the division. I think some people might be counting out Cleveland a little too early. I've seen a lot of really good things from them and some things that need to improve, but they can improve like uh, their pitching. I mean, their pitching is supposed to be their strength. So I think that will get better. And if their offense can keep gelling like it has been so far, I mean, even still, even despite cooling off after, after their hot start, they're still one of the better offenses in the American league, in my opinion, at least so far statistically through this part of the season. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but yeah, according to their playoff odds, 
the playoff teams in the American League would be the Yankees. Well, the Yankees, White Sox, and Astros are the division winners. And then the wildcard teams would be the Blue Jays, the Twins, and the Angels. So the Rays and Red Sox would miss, and uh, so would the Mariners. I mean, given how bad the Mariners have been so far, it's definitely possible, which has been really disappointing. But yeah, and then the National League, um, Brewers, Mets, and Dodgers all are projected to win their division still. Uh, Padres, the Braves, and the Giants are all projected to make the playoffs. The Padres have a 93.5% chance to make the playoffs, which is better than lots of uh, division winners. It's just unfortunate they play in the NL West. I mean, their chances of making the playoffs scoring a fangraphs are better than the White Sox or the Twins or the Mets even, or the Brewers. So that's kind of that's kind of funny. Also, they gave uh, Milwaukee really high odds to win the World Series, uh, 10%, which is... Um, Second best in the National League behind only the Dodgers and fifth best overall, which with Milwaukee, I the Brewers are one of my favorite teams. I love watching them and I want them to do well. I just, just given how slow the offense has been, I just don't, I see kind of a 20, I see kind of a last year situation happening where the offense just fizzles out and can't do anything in the playoffs when they face actual good pitching. When they're facing, when you get to face the Reds, the Cubs and the Pirates all the time, that uh that helps out help you helps you out a lot. I think it kind of masks how weak the offense could be. Um, yeah, according to them, the Nationals and the Orioles have zero chance of making the playoffs, but somehow the Athletics and the Reds do. The Reds actually have a 0.2 percent chance, which is funny. And the Diamondbacks, for being a 500 team, by far have the lowest percent chance they're giving them 1.8 percent so this is based on the rest of the season projections but you know i want to see the snakes continue to do well because it's been funny to watch and actually not just funny but actually fun i mean zach gallon's been an absolute been absolutely shoving on the mound this year anyway um let's see another little quick fan graphs play i wanted to talk about i've been playing around fan graphs a lot recently is the um how teams are doing compared to home versus on the road offensively. I was just thinking about, you know, the cores effect and that got me on the splits leaderboard. And I was looking at players and teams and how they do compared to home in a way. So the league average for the MLB is team. I'm going off of a uh, wins run created plus or WRC plus on average in the MLB, the uh, uh, teams at home have a one Oh three offensive run. WRC plus compared to a 97 on the road. So it's about 6.6%. It's a 3% increase in production at home versus a 3% decrease on the road or 6% difference overall. So surprisingly, the Rockies do not have, and there's this park, it's a park adjusted too. So it does take into account the effects, but the Rockies just difference isn't as drastic as some teams. It's a 100 on at home, perfectly average. And then 81 on the road. So they're about 19 and a half or 20 points better um, on uh, at home than on the road. The biggest team, the team with the, who's the bet, who, who has the best home WRC plus compared to road is Seattle. They have a 137 
WRC plus at home by far the best in the league compared to only a 92 WRC plus on the road. Good for about a 45 point difference. That's, that's wild. I mean, I, and especially cause it's home versus away. Cause, uh, Seattle's ballpark is definitely a pitcher friendly park. And the biggest negative was, um, the nationals with, um, they have a 62 WRC plus at home and a 116 WRC plus on the road. So that's a 54 point difference. That's again, that's crazy in my opinion. Uh, I mean, nationals ballpark is a pitcher's park, but still that drastic defense, they're really not that drastic difference. They're really not producing for the home crowd. Um, no team was exactly even. I mean, if you round down, um, the Padres are have a 97, both at home and on the road. So basically the same, the Cubs also have the same. And again, I'm, I, I kind of eliminated some decimal points, so it's not exactly the same, but it's about the same. So again, 97, 97, um, Cleveland does a lot better on the road. Um, the Rangers do a lot better at home. The Reds do a lot better at home. They're 108 at home and 66 on the road. The uh, the uh, Red Sox do a bit better at home. And then my Twins, they do a little bit better on the road. Um, 117 on the road versus 110 at home. Oh, and the Yankees are just about even two at 118 at both um, home and away. So yeah, just a fun little... Uh, fun little project I just decided to work on. All right. Last thing I want to talk about um, credit for this goes to an article written by Andrew Simon on MLB.com about, I was trying to think of stuff to talk about today and I just went to MLB, MLB's website and I saw this article, who is taking advantage of the universal DH? And I thought Goldmine, I'd love to talk about this. So he ranks some by the numbers. So this is an opinion article. It's based on stats. Um, based, based on how the um, how NL teams' is DHs have helped or hindered them. So the best team, the team with the best DH production has been the Philadelphia Phillies, which makes sense because it's Bryce Harper. And then statistically, the worst one has been the Diamondbacks. Um, and yeah, just looking at the numbers, he, he put some things together, including the batting average for NL DHs is a, 233 with a 315, 389 on base percentage and slugging, respectively. Um, good compared to a 110 bang average by pitchers last year in the NL. So, pretty much for pretty much it's been a good. It's definitely an offense as we expected, but some teams have definitely um, you know, their DHs have really not been playing much better than pitchers have been. So I'm going to take a look at this here. Where is that split board? There we go. All right. So according to WRC plus on fan graphs, the Phillies are the best DH production with a 159 and the Diamondbacks are the worst with a 52. Um, and again, it makes sense because the Phillies for the most part have been using Bryce Harper as their DH, which is not, you know, not surprising. He's been playing as an, at an elite level. Um, the Mets have also, the Mets have the second best. Um, mainly due to Pete Alonzo. Um, their primary DH has been J.D. Davis, but he's been hurt, so Alonzo's been sliding into DH a lot more, which definitely helps them. Um, yeah, and then another team that has, I think, this is a team actually that has benefited a lot from the DH has been 
uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates because they've been able to bring in Dan Vogelbach to be their DH. He has not played a single game in the field, as you would expect. He's definitely a guy who is super excited to see the Universal DH come into play because it gave him more teams to choose from. But he's been one of the Pirates. He's given the Pirates really their only source of oomph in the lineup. He has six home runs, and he has a 122 OPS plus so far. So when you take that, that's production the Pirates would not have gotten otherwise. Or they would have got because they probably would not have signed Vogelbach unless they knew they needed a DH. Or they would have put him out there at first base, and that offensive production would have been negated by pretty bad defense. So I think the Pirates definitely are a team that's benefited from this. Um, another team that's benefited a lot, according to the article, and I agree with this, is the Braves, because while Marcelo Zuna has been the primary DH and he's been bad, having the DH as an option for Ronald Acuna as he comes back from his uh, torn ACL is good. It get, takes a little bit of a workload off of him. Um, the Cardinals also, I mean, the um, having the DH and giving Albert Pujols some more playing time has been nice. Um, Corey Dickerson's also supposed to be sliding in there, but he hasn't... Uh, he hasn't been producing as well. And the Diamondbacks, I mean, they might as well just let their pitchers back because they have Bumgarner, so Bumgarner can hit better than how their DHs are doing. Uh, they have one home run from the DH spot and a 161 batting average. It's uh, not good. And what's sad is that I was really excited because Seth Beer was slotted in as their DH, but he uh, he um, hasn't done anything beyond the, his uh, opening day walk-off home run pretty much. And then also at the bottom, the Nationals, their uh, DH production, you know, with bringing Nelson Cruz, was supposed to make put them near the top of this list, but instead they're at the bottom. They only have four home runs from their DH spot because Cruz has been struggling a lot, only hitting 218. And if you go to the advanced uh, the advanced page on Fangraphs, their WRC plus is 70, so second worst behind only the Diamondbacks. Um. So, yeah, and again, um, looking at this, too, if you take a look at this, you'll see, like I mentioned, the Braves DH, DHs haven't done the best because Ronald Acuna, no, I'm sorry, Marcelo Zuna has been, uh, been pretty bad to start the year. However, it's a plus for them because since Acuna has come back, they've put him in at DH, and he's helped make those numbers a little better, and again, it helps them rest him. But... Yeah, so most teams, I think the verdict is, of course, having a DH is a lot better, but if you're the Diamondbacks, you might want to let your pitchers bat instead. All right, that'll do it for today. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Straight Out Left. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, and many other podcasting platforms. Just give it a like or a five-star review or do whatever you got to do to get this in your recommendeds. Um, you can also, once again, um, I'm going to plug for the uh, podcast Instagram page. Just uh, search for Straight Out Left Pod, and uh, that's the username. It should come up. Straight Outta, O-U-T-T-A. Um, that's the best way to communicate with me, and I was thinking about this. If you are listening and you want me to talk about a certain issue or maybe s- send me um, some kind of like statistical breakdown you want me to go over i'd be happy to do that so best way to do that would be to follow the instagram page and then send a dm through that um but keep your ears peeled for the next episode i'll talk to you all again soon